0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 8th of November 2021.
0: And Norman, we've been saying since that well, we haven't been saying it. The experts have been saying it since early on in the pandemic that, luckily, with COVID, it's less likely for kids to catch it than adults, and they're less likely to get sick from it at, than adults, which is a huge relief. You can imagine how much different the pandemic would have been if that hadn't been the case. And yet, when we're looking at case numbers, especially in Victoria at the moment, which is kind of the place in Australia where there is the most number of active cases going on, the biggest age group with active cases is actually kids under nine years old. It's a much bigger proportion of the active cases than it is that that age group makes up in the whole population.
1: And that's just a reflection of the fact that those kids are unimmunised and the virus will find people who are not vaccinated. If you look at New South Wales, it's not exactly comparable, but 25% of kids infected with COVID are not to 11 as of the 23rd of October, 2021.
0: And in other countries, we're starting to see that they're looking at uh, approving vaccinations in at least kids aged five and up. But how do these kids, I mean, active cases is one thing. How are they actually faring when they do catch COVID?
1: Well, if you look at the proportion of cases, in other words, people with, I hate calling it cases, it's people with COVID-19 who are in hospitals, the not to nine-year-olds and indeed the 10 to 19-year-olds are the lowest proportion compared to, to others. So if you actually average it out in the current outbreak, it's been about 5% in that combined age group. And compared to anything up to sixty-five percent, if you're over ninety, so it's it's small. And if you uh, and what they would say, at least in New South Wales, and I think it's, to some extent it's true in, in Victoria, is that. You can't really go on hospitalizations because some of those hospitalizations are kids, who are kids who are not that unwell, but they need to be in hospital for social reasons because their parents are sick and not able to look after them. But if you look at the ICU admissions, it, they're tiny compared to the the rest of the community. They're under they're under one percent um, are in ICU. So that's that's under one percent of not to nineteen year olds, not just not to nine year olds, compared to say nine percent in people who are seventy to seventy nine. So. You know, it's it's mild disease, by and large, when you get it. But interestingly, for tonight's 7.30, I have interviewed a pediatric infectious disease expert from Nashville, Tennessee. Now, if you remember rightly, they had a really bad surge. Their pediatric ICU was overwhelmed by kids with uh, severe illness. It was just a matter of numbers. They didn't think that Delta was any more serious for kids than other forms of the virus. It was just that they had so many people unvaccinated. Um, You had a lot of virus around and kids coming in, and that tended to disappear. Their problem is that these kids are coming back, not just necessarily the ones who were in ICU, but kids with mild to moderate disease, some of whom might not even have recognised that they had had, or the parents might not have recognised that they'd had COVID-19 at all, or an infection, and they're coming back with a uh, various severities of multi-system inflammatory disorder. In other words, they're getting inflammation throughout their bodies, and that includes uh, myocarditis, which is a very rare condition in young kids, but they're getting myocarditis, Maybe three, four, five weeks after their infection. So it's, the hospitalization doesn't necessarily reflect the true pattern in those kids. Now, this is a rare disorder, but nonetheless, it does occur. And there's another real you and know, quite a potent reason for getting immunized in that five to 11 age group.
0: So myocarditis is that inflammation in and around the heart, which we've heard of as being a very rare side effect um, that seems to disproportionately affect young men who get the Pfizer vaccine. But if kids are being admitted, a couple of weeks down the track with this multi-system organ inflammation disorder, are they counted as COVID cases? Like, if we're looking at the data, is that being captured there?
1: I don't know. Is the answer to that question? It's a good question. I, I don't know. It's more than a couple of weeks later. It's, uh, it's it often it's more. It can be a month later, or sometimes a little bit longer than that. So it's it's a it's a there is a time delay before it develops. And um, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, the, the the message that some pediatricians are giving from Victoria is that um, they're not seeing a lot of that, but it is rare. And I think that what you're getting from places like Nashville is just the numbers are so huge and kids who've caught COVID that they're seeing more of these than probably they're seeing in Victoria simply by dint of numbers. The other, I also asked... Uh, this Rita Banerjee, who's this infectious disease expert, about the data from the Pfizer trial. Now, they didn't find any myocarditis in this trial, but it it was uh, 4,000 kids, and it would be much rarer than one in 4,000. But what she was saying was that, if I, if you actually look at the 12 years and above, the myocarditis tends to kick in, that risk tends to kick in at 17 or 18, and then goes into that young adulthood. There weren't many cases in the younger kids down to twelve, that have been monitored in the immunisation rates so far. So that would bode very well for under eleven-year, under twelve-year-olds, um, that their rate of myocarditis with the vaccine is probably going to be very low indeed.
0: And we're getting a lot of in- indications from the federal government that vaccines for younger kids are probably going to be approved. In the near term, but we had this interesting question, Norman. I'm not sure if I can give, if you're going to be able to give me an answer because I haven't told you about this ahead of time. But someone has written in asking, are any of the rapid antigen tests approved for or suitable for young children? They said the one that they got for the supermarket says it's for adults and kids aged 13 years and over. Why would that be?
1: I actually don't know the answer to that. Is probably the groups that they've tested it on. It's actually quite shocking if you look across medicine at drugs and their lack of testing in children, and a lot of drugs are given to children off-label. You don't realize that. They're, they're, they haven't been properly tested in children, and it's, re- it's really interesting. Asthma is an interesting example where there have been clinical trials of anti-asthma drugs in children, but there have been some drugs that don't work in adults but probably do work in children and they haven't, been, you know, they haven't been the clinical trials to actually prove that because asthma is a different disease in children. I just say that to illustrate the fact that when a lot of things are tested, they're not tested in children and they may work perfectly well. So it's really probably the studies they've done rather than they're not designed to pick up COVID-19 virus in children.
0: Well, speaking of clinical trials, allow me to segue slightly awkwardly over to Pfizer has a new antiviral drug that it has stopped its clinical trial early because it says that the data was so convincing that the drug was good that they wanted to move forward with um, seeking approval in the United States.
1: Yeah, so it's called Paxlovid. It's quite interesting. So it's a, it's called a protease inhibitor. So it stops the viral replication. So it stops the RNA from replicating. with, And it's given, interestingly, so it's a new... Compound and it's given interestingly along with an anti-HIV drug called ritonavir, and the ritonavir is not so much for its anti-COVID nineteen effect; it's more that it it slows down the body breaking down the the active drug in the Pexlovid. And they gave it to twelve hundred people in North and South America, Europe, Africa, and Asia. About half, forty five percent of the United States. So, so twelve hundred people, randomized trial with placebo. Uh, started uh, within five days and people with mild to moderate symptoms, 89% reduction in hospitalization, no deaths in the active group and 10 deaths in the placebo group. So on the basis of that, their data monitoring committee halted the trial because there was a clear benefit and asked for approval of the drug.
0: So this is Pfizer reporting its own data. We haven't seen peer-reviewed versions of this data yet. But it's pretty exciting to think. We've got vaccinations that slash the risk of hospitalisation. And here in Australia, we're we're rocketing towards a good 90% of the population over 12 covered. We've passed the 80% milestone for 16 plus over the weekend. And now we've got these antiviral drugs that look like they might perform very well against it. Are we going to see in a couple of years that people just won't die from COVID anymore?
1: You might. Uh, Because in addition to that, you've also got the monoclonal antibody drugs, which also reduce severity of disease and also can be used in people who are immunocompromised and might not get a good enough immune response to the vaccine. So there's there's a few things that have been spawned by this pandemic. And it's been very hard to develop good antiviral drugs outside HIV. So we've got very few. The anti-influenza drugs are really not very good. Uh, We've got good anti herpes antivirals, but they've got to be used early. So, antivirals have been very difficult. And here we've got quite an effective antiviral. Uh, That's two now. There was the MERT product, which uh, came out, which uh, the results were given a few weeks ago. And we've ordered some doses of those for Australia. So, this is great news in terms of treatment and breakthrough infections, particularly in the elderly.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for on today's CoronaCast. But if you've got questions or comments, send them to abc.net.au slash CoronaCast.
1: I will see you tomorrow.
0: See you then.